On today's episode, you are in for a real treat. I have Amy Stockstill on the podcast. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. Amy is deeply rooted in her faith, and she's also hilarious. She is a champion and cheerleader for the woman who wants to speak for God. Amy is passionate about training women to effectively communicate the good news of the gospel. Let's welcome Amy to the show. Welcome, Amy. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be with you guys today. First of all, I want to dive into your weekend that you put on for Women Communicators. Tell me all about Let's Echo. Tell me your heart behind it. How did it come about? I sure will. I absolutely love the Echo Weekend. It is a four-day hands-on intensive where we take women of all ages and teach them how to communicate the gospel with clarity and confidence. We have noticed that tons of women want to partner with God. They want to say, Lord, here's my life and my mind and my heart and my hands and my voice. Now, what in the world do I do with Mm -hmm. them? How do I partner with God? And that's where we come in with resources and we have an online course and a weekend to say, hey, here's the answer to if you want to partner with God, this is how you do it. And the weekends are incredible. I started in 2000. 17 with just six girls in my home. And Mm -hmm. now it's grown this past weekend. We had 32 girls and then a team of 10. So we had about, there's about 45 of us and we're growing slow and low because I am very hands-on. I love to meet every girl that comes through the weekend, talk with every girl, sit with every girl, coach every girl. That's my heart for now because I actually went to school. I went to LSU, go Tigers Mm -hmm. in Louisiana and graduated with interior design. And then I married my husband and he said, welcome to the ministry. (laughs) (laughs) I had no training. I had done an internship a few years before, but I was focused on making things pretty. I was focused on creating atmospheres through design that people would enjoy and want to be a part of. And then I began traveling our first five years of marriage. We traveled every single weekend to a different state, different church, and kind of started out just me on the front row, which is what most pastors' wives do. (laughs) Carrying my husband's Bible, I was making sure he had water and Kleenex if his nose was running. And I I was just, you know, talking to everybody. But then because I was traveling every weekend with him, people just started asking, does your wife speak? And my husband just started saying, yes, she does. And I would say, no, I don't. I do not do that. I will not. I never shall. And just had a really bad attitude about it and a bad attitude that was actually just covering a lot of insecurities. Sure. A lot of questions. Who's going to listen to me? What do I have to say? I don't know the Bible enough. I'm going to blank out. All those normal, which to me did not feel normal. They felt very true and very deeply rooted, but I did not know at the time that that's what the enemy says to pretty much every woman. Mm. So my husband is a pusher, an activator, a developer. And he just started saying, we are married. We are one. You have important things to say. You are going to speak. And then I would do it, you know, because I wanted to be submitted to my husband and wanted to do whatever God had. I want deep in my spirit. I wanted to do whatever God was asking me to do. But all the layers of lies and inability and lack of training were stopping me from doing what I really wanted to do in my heart, which is 
to give God everything. So that was a slow burn of lots of mistakes, lots and lots of embarrassing moments, lots of wrestling. I feel like those first five years were me wrestling with God, like Jacob and the angel wrestling. Am I going to give my life? Am I going to give my voice? Am I going to give my heart, my mind, my soul? Am I going to give God everything? Or am I going to stay behind the walls of self-preservation that I've built? Um, so that it was a, it was a long wrestle cause I'm stubborn and I was just a wrestling with God and wrestling then kind of surrendered. And once I surrendered and realized I don't have to be perfect, I don't have to be tweetable like my husband. I don't have to be anything uh, but myself. And this is going to be a long journey and a long road to becoming a, com- a communicator that's confident. Uh, I st- started praying in 2016. And it was like, man, I have at that time, I had a degree, I had supportive family, I was reading my Bible every day, I had an amazing husband, I had friends who loved me. But that still kept me back, you know, even with all of that support, I still was wrestling. So I thought, man, if I have all of these things, if God has blessed me with all of these things, and yet I still feel insecure to use my voice, What about all those women who don't have that? What are they going to do? And so I started praying about starting Echo and brought it to my husband. And my husband said, I I don't see it. And I said, oh, you, oh, really? Because you're the one that made me preach in the first place. So really, you don't see it, you know, (laughs) got all, got all attitude. And he just said, well, you're going to have to go back and pray. So I did that. Julie, I prayed for a year. Oh, wow. Every time I would pray, the vision in my heart would get bigger. The burden for women that wanted to communicate and didn't know how would get bigger. And I kept bringing it back to my husband. And he kept saying, I don't see it. Keep praying. Mm -hmm. And every time, and this is, you know, a little side tip, you know, it's the Lord. If you continue to pray and the vision continues to get bigger. Mm, Yes. So at the end of 2016, I said, Joel, this is the last time I'm going to bring this to you. This vision has gotten bigger and bigger in my heart. And I, I want your blessing, but I'm not going to keep bringing it back to you. And so I, the that was uh, December of 2016. And he said, I finally see it. So, well, I don't know what took you so long, right? <laughs> but I'm ready. So back in 2017, I started Echo Weekend with six girls in my home. I picked up every girl, made every meal, coached every girl, taught every session, gave every gift, did all the things myself. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with watching God transform women in three days from being insecure and shy and lacking knowledge, lacking boldness, not knowing where to start. I, I fell in love with God transforming them. And by day three, they're confident, they're ready, they feel equipped. They they can't wait to go back to their church, go back to their city. So that's why I keep doing it because seeing transformation transformation happen in front of your eyes is kind of addicting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. So how long had had you been speaking, or how much experience have you had speaking before you started the Let's Echo Weekend? We were traveling. So let's see, that's 2017 is when I started it. I got married in 2013. Okay. So four or five years before I actually started it. 
And I, when I was, did an internship in high school, I was right out of college and you had to do small groups. So that's really where I started. I started in 2013 or 2000. Yeah, we got married in 2013. So it was before that 2010, I guess Mm -hmm. I started when I was 21 years old, did an internship. And that's when I really started going, okay, I don't know hardly anything, but I could have a small group and started with junior high girls, Mm -hmm. started a small group with junior high girls. Then I did a small group for high school girls. Then I did a small group for college girls. And that's really where I was when I got married. and you know, small groups are very different than speaking on stages. Yes. But I would suggest everybody start with small groups. And I would even more so suggest that even if you are speaking on stages to never give up a small group. To me, small groups are infinitely more important than stage moments. Well, I have to agree. I lead a group of uh, high school girls at my church. Uh, Amazing. And lately I've been, they've asked me to fill in for the uh, middle school girls. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I'm out of my comfort zone, but serving in the local body. Yes. Like grounds you. Yes. You can have all the, the huge platform and, you know, all of that, but these girls don't care about that. They don't care. And so (laughs) it's like, it keeps you humble and it keeps you grounded in what's important, the people in front of you. Absolutely. And it's more in line with the great commission. Jesus never said, go and preach on stages, go and build your platform, go and get a ton of followers. He never said that. He said, go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And you don't make disciples from the stage. No, you you make disciples one-on-one, getting your hands dirty, taking them to coffee, listening to the cry about the latest boy drama. (laughs) You you make, you make disciples in the trenches, not on the stages. Oh, that's good. Yeah. In the trenches, not on the stages. Yes. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with the stage, right? But, but your heart and God continues to bring that back to me in my own heart. Like, hey, you can have the biggest platform that there is, but Jesus did not. Jesus had all those moments. He preached to the thousands and thousands. He had miracles to the thousands and thousands. But at the end of the day, he did life with the twelve. Then he had his Peter, James, and John. You know, he did. He he kept trying to get his circle smaller and smaller, where we keep trying to get our circle bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. But we serve an upside down, inside out king. Amen. He doesn't care about that stuff. Yeah. And speaking of upside down, I, I saw one of your Instagram posts, and I just love this. It was, you took the time to honor the woman, the wife and the mama, who... Mm-hmm stops, has to stop or pause, I should say their God sized dream, their God given dream to serve their family. And I think that's crucial, especially today when people are all about followers and building a platform and stuff. I have a special needs son who requires me. He's 20, but he requires me to stop and pause Mm. on what I feel like God's called me to do. And Mm. God's like, it's not about you anyway. So serve your family, you know, serve your husband and I will honor that. So I just love yes. that about you in your experience. What are some of the reasons women hold themselves back from speaking for God? I think there's a few reasons. Uh, I don't want to overwhelm you because there's so many reasons. I in the I top three. Seen, all right. Okay. Okay. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to narrow them yeah. down. <laughs> top three would be number one. 
the church has a history of silencing women. Mm. Although to me, and I do want to say this because I'm not a feminist by any means, we need both men and women. Uh, the, the, the people, men and women who have silenced women, I 100% believe that they feel that they are doing that because they feel that they're being aligned with scripture. Mm. So this is not an attack against those people, but like me, I grew up Southern Baptist. I was not allowed to do anything. Mm. And it wasn't because they wanted to keep women down. It was because they wanted to be in line with scripture. Right. I now have a different understanding of scripture because I too want to be in line uh, with scripture. So number one, I think it's that the church has done a very good job at silencing women. Number two, I think it's kind of in line with that because the church doesn't, a lot of the church, not all of the church, obviously, but because of a, a portion of the church does not believe in women using their voice for God in any manner. Therefore, there is no training mm. for for women, which is exactly why I created Echo because I had no training and I thought, man, I have a bunch of support and I have a bunch of education, but those two things are not equal to support um, to training. Training, right. So number one, the church has done a great job at silencing us. Number two, there is no training, hardly any training for women. And number three, the age old trick of the devil comparison I think especially now where we are, are able to see with our eyes and hear with our ears women right. using their voice, then we start going, oh, well, they can use their voice because they have a lot of followers, because they're beautiful, because they went to seminary, because they have a position on, on a church staff or whatever, mm -hmm. or because they have a lot of connections. And we start saying, well, it's good for them because they have A, B, C, D, and E, and F, but I don't have those things. So then I can't speak or I don't have a gift or I don't have a following. So it's, it's comparison. Yeah. One thing you mentioned about, I don't have a, I didn't go to seminary. Mm -hmm. I've struggled with this because I have a, I went to Christ for the nation's Bible college. Oh, amazing. And I have a practical theology degree, but I don't have a seminary degree. And I'm like, what if I, what if I say something wrong? You know, so the <laughs> enemy kind of stops me in my tracks. Like, you need to spend one year <laughs> right. digging into one chapter of the Bible to be able to speak on it. So speak to the woman who feels like I don't have the knowledge or the background. How would you encourage her to go ahead and use her voice? I do think that training is necessary. I do think that if you want education, that's a beautiful thing. But if you go back to the Bible, which so many don't, but even as women, if we go back to what we've seen in the Bible, all of those disciples, they had no training. They didn't go to seminary. They were fishermen, tax collectors. They were wild now, calling fire down on people, cutting people's ears off. They were teenagers. Mm -hmm. What did they know? All they knew is they had an encounter with Jesus. Mm. And they wanted to spread what they had known so far. Even the woman at the well, she had an encounter with Jesus. The whole town, from what scholars say, had shamed her because she had all these husbands and she wasn't living with the one that she was, she wasn't married to the one that she was living with then. But she had no time to formulate insecurities, comparisons, because she had an encounter with Jesus. And then she went to the 
whole town. She didn't go to one person. She went to the whole town because of an encounter with Jesus. She didn't go to the whole town because she went to seminary. She didn't go to the whole town because she was super connected. She didn't go to the whole town because she had a great influence and a great reputation. She went to the whole town because she encountered the Christ. Mm. That is what we need. And if I could sit with each one of your listeners individually, that's what I would say to them. Have you had an encounter with Christ? Yes. Therefore, you are qualified. You know what you need to say. You know when you need to say it. You know how you need to say it. You need to say it with love and passion and and privilege that you have encountered the Christ. I love that. And I'm reminded of this often. In Mark 3.14, it says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Yes. And that he might send them out to preach. So like you said, it is more being with him. Yes. Then you're, you're giving something of substance. You're giving something that is not just knowledge. It's, it's an encounter. It's what God's done in your life. Yes. And you want to say, Hey, he's been with me. He can be with you too. Yeah. And on, on the note of, let me just address the note of making mistakes and saying things wrong. That is a natural fear because mm-hmm. that 100% will happen. If you, So let me just clear the air and say that. <laughs> if you are going to use your voice for God, you 100% at some point, at some time, maybe lots of times, will say things that are theologically incorrect, will say things that are doctrinally off, will say things that are discouraging when you mean them to be encouraging, We'll say things that people disagree disagree with, come against. If you're going to use your voice for God, yes, you will make mistakes. But you cannot move forward unless you're making mistakes. Right. Because and it's not like you're going to be labeled. I mean, maybe with some people, you'll be labeled a heretic or you yep. know, whatever, <laughs> but it's like no, we're human. We're doing the best we can. And it's the Holy Spirit that will, even if we speak a mistake, God is able to take that and minister to the people where they need it. He'll bring them into truth. Absolutely. And then, and then hopefully he will bring people in our lives. He's faithful. When we step out to use our voice, he's faithful to bring people in our lives that can bring us into alignment. And think about Apollos. Apollos was preaching it up, man. He had so much influence. He was articulate. He was well-known. He was doing the best he could. And he was preaching and he did not know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then the Lord in his faithfulness brings Aquila and Priscilla and says, hey, let me bring some correction and some alignment to what you're speaking. But if he had sat back and said, oh, I don't know enough, or I'm going to preach something that's not correct, or I'm only preaching half the gospel or half the truth, or then he would have been paralyzed and all of those people wouldn't have heard. Right. But God is faithful when you, he wants you to use your voice. He's for you. He's got your back. So when you use your voice, he is faithful to bring the people that you need to go, Hey, here's something that you said could, that could have been said a little differently, or here's something that you said that I, I, I'm sure you don't know the rest of the story here. Let me clue you in on the rest of the story. Not in a way that's condemning, but in a a way that's corrective that will help you and your listeners. And you have to be walking in humility to receive that correction. (laughs) Not like, well, I studied this and I know. 
Right, right. Yeah. But if we know we're going to make mistakes, we might as well go, whew, I know I'm going to make mistakes and bless God, he's going to bring someone, not to point them out to, and be mean, but to make me better. Yeah. I also like there was something you said. You said the allure of self-pity is attractive. When you were talking about waiting, your husband has some health conditions. And so Mm -hmm. just because you're up on stage or you're doing a podcast or ministering to a small group, it doesn't mean that your life is perfect. Mm -hmm. right? It just means that we are the ones saying, here am I. But the lure of self-pity is attractive. I've heard lots of women say, I can't do this because X, Y, Z. For you, it was your husband's health challenges that you were waiting in the car a lot. So speak Mm -hmm. to the woman that wants her dream to move forward, but she's like, it's not going anywhere because I'm I'm doing, I'm taking care of a special needs child or I'm running my husband to his doctor's appointments or yeah, speak to that woman. I will. I think, first of all, I just want to honor you for being a warrior mama. Gosh, being a caretaker is so difficult. So I want to honor you for, obviously he's your son. You love him, Yeah. but man, just for staying in the fight and loving Jesus and having this amazing podcast and moving forward in what God's called you to do. Being a caretaker is so difficult. Mm -hmm. And I also am a caretaker. I love my husband. Wouldn't, don't want to be married to anybody else. Wouldn't change it for the world, but it is very difficult. And I would say to any woman listening, Julie and I are no better than you. We're, we're no, we're not more capable than you. Um, I think that when you have a lot going on, and you're a caretaker, there's a certain amount of suffering that goes along with that, that actually can propel you. You know, if you have a lot going on and for us, it's both, we have family members whom we love that need extra care. Mm -hmm. That could be a hindrance to us. It could be a pity party to us. It could be something that's so frustrating. And at times it is. Uh, It could be something that holds us back or it could be actually our why. And it could be the reason (laughs) it could propel us forward. And for me, I made the switch a few years ago and thought, gosh, because my husband is a dialysis patient. He has no kidneys. He had to get a pacemaker. He has spent three entire years of his life. If you add all of all the times together, he's been on dialysis three whole years. Wow. Day in, day out, he goes to treatment Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like today, I will bring him today at three o'clock. I will pick him up at eight o'clock. I'll do it again on Wednesday. I'll do it again on Friday. Uh, And then that's just dialysis. Then we have 18 other appointments that happen throughout the week, you know, and I was feeling so much self-pity and going, man, I don't have the time to do what God has called me, nor do I have the bandwidth to do it. I don't have the emotional stability to do. (laughs) I'm crying every day. And I could sit in that and I did sit in that and poor me and God, even questioning God, why did you give me this burning passion to help women and not give me the time, the bandwidth, the team to, to do it and the health. And like I said, I wrestle with God a lot because I'm fighting. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to be feisty and I think God made me feisty, but that does put me um, butting heads with him quite often. And so I would say to you, you can sit in that 
and it is attractive and it feels comfortable like a friend and it feels like a really good excuse. It just feels like a warm blanket that you're putting on, like poor me, because there's no comfort in the things that you can't control, but mm-hmm. you can control sitting there. You, right. you can, I can't control my husband's health. Therefore, there's no comfort in that. But I can control how my day goes and I can I can make the decision to sit on my couch all day. And that makes me, that gives me comfort. Right. But it's only temporary comfort because then I'm miserable because I'm only looking out for myself. Mm. Whereas if I, if I shed that fake comfort, because the enemy is always coming with the, the faux thing, you know, yes. if I shed that fake comfort and I shed that, well, this is, you know, I can't control my husband, but I can control this. And I go, I actually have so much power because when you, when you're taking care of people or when you're busy or you have all these excuses, what's really going on is you feel like you don't have power, but you have power to fulfill your destiny. You have power to impact other people. You have power to go and make disciples like the Great Commission says. So if you just make that tiny little switch of I'm going to use the places where I feel powerless, I'm actually going to use those as leverage to feel power and to make a difference. That's amazing. Yes. There was a time where my son had some behavior issues Mm-hmm. And most people on the outside wouldn't, wouldn't understand it. And I was, I was so, I felt so defeated. Like, God, you've called me to this. How am I going to continue walking this out? You know, my husband's going to listen to this episode, Amy, and tell me every time I feel like giving up, he's going to say, go listen to that episode <laughs> you did with Amy and remind yourself. Yeah. But really what I did, it is a little shift, but it is a huge shift mm-hmm. to that changing mm-hmm. your mindset. There was one time I was so, I felt so defeated with his, some of his behaviors. I told myself every time I feel defeated, I'm going to ask people what they need prayer for. And, wow. and I'm going to storm the throne yes. of heaven for them. Wow. And the few times that I did that, it was like life-giving to me and <laughs> yeah. the people that I was praying for. So it's like, well, okay. The enemy comes at me with discouragement. I'm going to turn it around and just pray for other people. That's beautiful. What would you say to the woman who um, feels too old or too young? Mm. Like there's, you know, there are more qualified people out there and I'm too old. I've, I don't have much to say. Wow. That is one of the biggest lies from the enemy. He always does that, man. He's so sneaky. And he'll say, he'll say you're too young, until he starts saying you're too old. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's either way. And I talk about this with one of my mentors so often, because even when I gather women at the Echo Weekends, and those women are usually the, the age range is growing a little bit. But when I first started, it was women in their 20s and their 30s. That was my heart, because that's when I started preaching in my 20s and my 30s. So those were the, the women that I'm gathering. Now it's all ages. But those women's in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, you know what the number one thing they ask me about is? How do you get a mentor? I cannot find a woman who cares about what I'm doing. I cannot find a woman who will walk alongside me. I cannot find a woman who is older and knows, has been down the road 
that will want to spend time with me. And that was another reason why I started Echo. That whole time I was preaching and making mistakes and crying and freaking out and wrestling with God, I did not have a one older woman who cared about what I was doing. In Mm -hmm. fact, I listened to a John Maxwell podcast And he said that if you want to be a great leader, you need five leaders pouring into you. So he said, make a list of five people that you want to learn from and reach out to them. Julie, when I tell you, I made a list of five women in the church that I was going to. Okay. And I reached out to five older women. Guess how many women met with me? I'm scared to find out. (laughs) Zero. Zero. Oh my gosh. One of them never even responded to me, but here I am. I'm a young leader. I am hungry to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm hungry to learn. I want to be discipled. I want someone that's older than me to say, this is where you're doing good. And this is where you can improve. And Hey, that attitude doesn't align with Christ. Let me teach you about the scripture and let me teach you how to pray. And let me teach you how to keep going when you want to quit because your husband's sick and all of those things where I, I have an amazing mother, but she lives in Louisiana. So, and I live in Texas. So I just wanted a mama. And at the end of the day, I don't really, I don't want a church lady. I wanted a mama who would literally just love me and hug me Hmm. and listen to me and go on walks with me. And all five of them said, no. Do you remember why they said no? I think two of them said, oh, I don't have time. One of them didn't even respond. Another one said, oh, I'll think about it and I'll pray about it. Never got back to me. Uh, Really, it was all just excuses. And I think now, but but I kept pursuing people. Now I have three amazing mentors. And one of my mentors, Lisa, which you should have on your podcast. She's absolutely incredible. She tells me all the time. She's like, you know what? We're scared. We don't think we have anything to give you. We don't think we, ha- we don't think that you want to hear from us. We, we don't think that we're good enough mm. and we're on the other side going, no, please care about me. Please love me. Please yeah. be a part of what I'm doing. So at the end of the day, I think it's the enemy. The enemy is, is saying that old people don't need young people. And on the flip side to some people, he's saying that young people don't need old people, but, and I say young and old, but you know what I mean? Yeah. We, yes. we need each other. And that's, Again, it's it's a way for the enemy to come against discipleship mm. and relationship to tell yeah. both parties that the other party is not interested in them. I've polled my audience before and I've asked, is there a disconnect between the generations in church? And mm-hmm. 100% said yes. Yeah. So I love what you're doing. You're coming alongside the women and telling them, I am, I'm going to be the older, I'm doing air quotes. I don't know how old you are, Amy, the older (laughs) woman. And it could just, the older women could just be someone a little further along, someone who's been married 10 years longer than you have. I think if you are a woman of any age, what you need to know is that there are women around you. There are young girls around you in your church. You do not have to go on a hunt, but in your church, there are women that if you would just invite them to lunch, I'm 37. So I'm into a lot of, a lot of ages, but I just started a small group. Literally, I just decided because I love small groups and we're actually only in Texas for one more month. And I said, Lord, I don't want to leave Texas without doing a small group. I, it, I'm spontaneous too. I'm a seven like you. Yeah. And, um, 
I just decided spur of the moment, I'm going to have a small group and I'm going to do it for four weeks and I'm going to invite whoever comes to my mind. Every person I invited is coming to my small group. Awesome. That will tell you how hungry people are for connection and for community. And I don't care what age you are. Don't believe the lie that nobody wants to meet with you, that you have no influence and that you don't know the Bible enough. You got to do you got to stop all that. You got to recognize the Bible clearly says in Corinthians, we are not unaware of the schemes of the enemy. Right. Those are schemes of the enemy to stop you from discipleship. You have 66 books of the Bible to say you have however many verses are in the Bible and however many words are in the Bible. That's what you have to say. And you can get together and just read the Bible. I know a ton of people do book studies and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. Right. Uh, but uh, honestly, a lot of your girls are going, Hey, I read second Timothy and I don't know what the heck it's saying. Or a lot of your girls that you can mentor and be with, they don't even know how to read the Bible right. every day. Cause they don't understand it. And it's confusing to them. So go back to the basics and say, and maybe you're not reading your Bible. And maybe that's why you feel like you can't have a small group. Guess what? Start a small group and say, I want to read the Bible together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like just don't overcomplicate it and don't set the qualifications for discipling someone or leading a small group so high that you can't reach them. Yeah. The qualifications are very low. Have you encountered God? And do you know another person? <laughs> are you breathing? Yes. Are you breathing? <laughs> are you alive? Do yes. you know someone, you know, and really discipleship and small groups and the, the ages coming together boils down to one thing. And that is invitation. Mm. If you can invite someone, if you have the heart of hospitality and you want to be relational and you can invite someone like my, my lady, Lisa, my, she's my good Samaritan. I call her. She came and scraped me up off the side of the road and she's still been paying for me to be in the end. She is, I think she's in her fifties and Man, the things that she has taught me, but I invite her to Echo Weekend. And I am, I had a small group. I invited her to come to my small group and to teach us. Everybody fell in love with her. Mm. And then I said to Lisa, there is no way that you've got to start gathering women. Everybody that I meet, all my young, because she's like, she said the same thing. I'm old. What do people want from me? And I said, everything. We want everything that you have. We to want say. it all. We want it all. And so I told her, I encouraged her to start a group. And now she has a group. She calls it Millennial Night. We shorten it to Millie Night. She has Millie Night. She cooks everyone chili or fajitas or whatever. And she invites a ton of people. And so whereas before a year ago, two years ago, she felt like who would come to my house? Now we do it every month and 40, 50, 60 millennial kids will come to her house. Oh my goodness. But we want older people, older people want younger people, but it boils down to invitation. I had to invite her to my small group and then I had to encourage her to invite people to her small group. Yeah. And she did. And every month she does. There is something to be said for reading the word together and talking about it because my faith, when I'm reading a scripture with someone who may not read the Bible Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. um, the questions that they ask. It's almost like, I mean, they're new believers, but it's almost like my faith is growing just from watching them read and their eye, you know, the spiritual understanding grows and they ask questions. And I'm like, 
I never thought about that. So I'm learning <laughs> as well. So it's like, we really do need each other. It, it's not just the older women pouring into the younger, but as we're doing that, we get blessed as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Paul says, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I want you to encourage me in my faith. Yeah. And that's Paul, the greatest writer of the New Testament. You know, that that's what it comes down to is, hey, there's this invitation for us to love each other. There's this invitation for us to learn from each other. There's this invitation for us to do life together. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I, I think people do try to complicate it or maybe they don't try to, but it is complicated to them because it's, well, I've got to get my calendar out and I've got to adjust this and do that and make sure my house is perfect. Oh my gosh. No. So Amy, tell us a little bit about a little more about your Let's Echo weekend. Invite my women to this. They, they are the women that have that a God-given dream. Some of them are wanting to be speakers. Some of them are wanting to just learn how to communicate the gospel. So tell us a little bit more about the, the weekend and where they can find information about it. I sure will. The weekend is the very best thing that I do because it's a relational. Women come from all over the United States. They come together. They're all nervous, but they all want to speak the gospel uh, with confidence. Our, we are very guarded in our culture and in our DNA. We're super inclusive, very welcoming. It is hands-on. It's not a conference where you come and just listen. It is an intensive workshop where you get taught, but then you actually put those things into action. You get feedback. It's very hands-on. We're doing it in Dallas, April 27th through the 30th of 2023. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas, and it's amazing. We're taking 40 women this year, so we're still keeping it small. Everyone will be broken up into groups of eight or nine women, so you get that really small group. You have a personal coach, and we teach you a lot of things leading up to the weekend. You come to the weekend. It's a four-day weekend. On Thursday, it's a 100% a relational day. Mm-hmm. So you get to meet a ton of girls. That evening, we have worship, and we kick it off with a word. Friday and Saturday are full on training days and Sunday you actually speak Mm -hmm. in front of your small group and you get feedback. And then we have a big celebration party and then you get six weeks worth of post echo reflections afterwards and you get a private Facebook group. And so it's highly relational, highly encouraging, highly inclusive, a beautiful weekend where God always does more than I could ever imagine. And you can Mm -hmm. find all those details on echoweekend.com. Echoweekend.com. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I know you're busy and I just loved this conversation. So thank you so much, Amy. Of course. My heart is encouraged. You're a warrior woman. I'm proud to know you. Thanks for having me on. Wasn't that amazing? I just love Amy. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're interested in anything that Amy has to offer, you can go to echoweekend.com. She'll have some courses online. She has some training and she also has all the information you'll need for the Echo Weekend. So again, that's echoweekend.com. Be sure and check that out. Also, I would love it if you've gotten value from this podcast, if it's helped you to grow into the woman that God's created you to be, and if it's helped you get your God-given dream off the ground, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This is what lets other people know that Kairos Moments is worth the investment of their time to listen to. I don't take it for granted that you spend time with me each week as I interview some guests and as I talk about things that God's been putting on my heart. So thank you. See you next time.